Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. I'm Kishore and I'm joined by Brian. Hello. Jackson. Hello. And Brady. Howdy. <laughs> uh, well, well, gentlemen, uh, this is the drama offseason. Uh, I do think we are the drama. The Winnipeg Jets are the drama of the uh, NHL offseason so far. And so we have a um, a few topics to get into before we get there. I, I just want to say how enjoyable has the playoffs been um, for all of you so far? Just that first round was incredible, right? Oh, it was unreal. The, the Calgary Dallas series and the man, I got to say it. I was, I was kind of rooting for the Leafs a little bit. I like not in, in an actual sense, but I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe this would be a good year to try and, uh, you know, move past all the jokes, maybe get some fresh new ones, maybe a round two joke. But uh, we all know you're like a secondary Leafs fan. I'm not a secondary Leafs fan. I'm not, I swear I'm not. I just, I don't know. I got a lot of buddies and I, I was hoping to maybe see uh, them a little excited and not hear the same. Uh, we're never going to, you know, we're never going to do anything talk all year, but hey, whatever. I'll say one thing. Um, I thought the Leafs were going to win the series coming into it. I thought they were the better team, um, but did I want them to win? No, the jokes are fun and Leafs fans <laughs> who called for a career ending injury for neil pionk earlier in the season they deserve that <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> that's just that's just karma i'm sorry it's yeah, it is. It. kind of feel bad for the for the players like with everything but uh not for the fan base the fan base oh absolutely it, so. it's 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 always <laughs> I think hilarious that's, i have I think that's one 100% solution right. i have one solution for the players get good <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I, I do want to see a second round with Austin Matthews in it eventually. Um, just like I want to see what Connor McDavid on this crazy bender uh, can do, where he's playing like one and a half normal Connor McDavid's right now. Um, uh, I have to say, it, it's it just top to bottom, one of the most I- incredible um, uh, first rounds ever. And weirdly, the worst series was Minnesota St. Louis. That was by far the worst series. Boring. Uh, and then the everyone has already forgotten what a revelation Kale McCarr was in those four games. It was <laughs> sick what he did. Um, but anyways, this is what could have been for the Jets uh, had we gotten our act together. But yeah, we alas, could we could have been Nashville. We could have got swept in right. four. <laughs> we got in. It, it would have been a miserable eight days, but we would have had uh, fun marveling at how great Kale McCarr is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to start at the at the coaching carousel. And uh, start on Trot's watch, like everyone, uh, other every other team in the league is on. Um, let's go around. And just what are your thoughts on Trotz? Uh, is he the messiah that uh, a lot of teams are claiming him to be? And do you think he's actually a fit for Winnipeg? Uh, I'll start off, I guess. I mean, when I look at him, like he, it's funny because we we joked all season about it. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll get fired from from New York. Um, and it was always kind of a fever dream. It never was really something we were saying genuinely, but uh, alas, we we're here today. And, and of course he's a free agent now um, doing his rounds. Uh, personally, I, I really like Barry Trotz. I think that he could bring uh, a lot of, a lot of things to the jets uh, regarding, you know, just, just systems and structure. One of the biggest things that, you know, he always talks about, uh, or at least has talked about about him is that he, you know, tries to make it easy on his goal, t- his goaltenders. Um, we've seen Connor Hellebuck for the past, two, three seasons have to be 
uh, the second coming uh, in order for the Jets to even be decent. Um, I would love to see what a Connor Hellebuck would look like uh, in a proper defensive system. Um, But I I don't know. I I think that he could be um, a great ad for the Jets. I think that he could be a great ad on the, you know, we always talk about, uh, you know, advanced stats stuff here, but, uh, you know, if we're going to talk intangibles, I think Barry Trotz is one of the guys, um, you know, leadership wise could, could actually be a huge ad. And, um, you know, if you're going to add a guy for, for pure intangibles, it should be your coach. Um, but Hey, that's just my opinion, Jackson. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's the best fit for the players that we currently have. Um, but that being said, if you are wanting to bring in players to play for your team, uh, I mean, the Jets don't really have like the, they're not known for being, be, ugh, sorry, bringing in um, like big name free agents. I mean, if you want to bring in a guy to maybe do that for you and Trotz would be an attraction, that would be kind of fun. And I do think that he could fix a lot of what's been wrong with our defensive structure as of late, but um, I don't know if he's the greatest fit ever. I think they should maybe look a different direction, but I wouldn't be mad if they if they hired him. Here's the thing. I think it's more complicated than, look, it's Barry Trotz. Look at his coaching record. Look, he's won a Stanley Cup. Look what he did with the Islanders defensively, all that. I think it's more complicated than that. I think people look at that and they say, oh, well, then there's the Winnipeg connection. He's, he's well-regarded as one of the best coaches in the league. It's a slam dunk, right? And I think that gets people married to the idea of, okay, well, we got to hire Barry Trotz. But like Jackson said, I'm not sure if he's the right systems fit. Um, like, hopefully he can adapt because most of the teams he's coached, he's coached to a low event kind of style, which is fine it's great for the rosters that he's had for the most part and it's worked and he can coach low event hockey better than almost anybody um but is that right for our roster i'm i'm not so sure maybe it is with the right system i don't know but i think low event you're taking away from guys like nikolai ehlers and kyle connor when you want those guys to be getting as many opportunities as possible right Mm -hmm. so um, but from a buy-in and the room standpoint, I really like the idea of hiring Barry Trotz. So there's some give and take there. I also know in the past, he hasn't been so great with playing young players a whole heck of a lot. He did have a tendency to not want to play those guys like Jakob Brana in Washington. He didn't play really very much under Barry Trotz at all, like mostly 13, 14 minutes a night kind of thing. Yeah. But honestly with the, the young players thing is like, I, I completely understand why people bring it up. Cause uh, obviously here we've, we've become a bit skittish uh, in regards to our young players not being able to play, but honestly, this may sound dumb, but like you're, you don't play your young guys until you do. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it has to do with the, the players that you're given and the young guys that we'd be looking to, to have play would be like, I would, I would take, you know, like Ehlers, for example, I wouldn't consider him in the young guys category. Obviously we look towards the defense and yeah, I could definitely see Barry Trotz looking at, at Logan Stanley and licking his chops and being like, this is the guy who I want to play. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's, 
it's one of those things where it, it really depends on, on what the vision is. Obviously this is going to be a big off season for the jets and things are going to change. Um, I would imagine they don't enter the season with the same, what is it? Top eight as last year. So, um, wow. you know, the, on, on the defense, on the, uh, younger player side of things. And then even like looking at like New York, um, like guys like Anthony Bovillier got, got a lot of playing time. Like, it's not like it's, it's, it's a foregone conclusion that he's like anti young guy. He doesn't play anyone unless they're over the age of 25 kind of thing. Um, so yeah. So like, I think that that is a thing that, you know, it really depends with the card that's cards that you're dealt. Um, and also I want to, I want to preface this with like, I'm not, full on the Barry Trotz train. I don't think that that's necessarily. You can be, that's fine. No, no I Brady, know. your uh, profile picks. That's more for the meme. That, that's just, that's just having fun on Twitter, but, but no, but like, I, but seriously, like in, in regards to like, you know, what he can bring to this team. Like I just look at how, for example, like, you know, the New York Islanders have played uh, over the past three years. We're, we're going to discard this past year, but before that have played way higher than the sum of their parts. And I look at our team and go, okay, if we can get a little bit of that, you know, getting to your team to play together as a team a lot more. Um, but instead of it being the New York Islanders, you have guys like Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, who can actually finish and score. I don't know. Like it, it's, it's one of those things that I go, maybe you can get a bit of both. You can get the defensive side of things while still keeping, you know, your, your Nikolai Ehlers, your Kyle Connors still on the scoring side of things. You know what I mean? Hey, here's the, the pros and high and cons for uh for trots for me i think he's a he's a good hire um by and large uh i think the pros are what all the the problems in the room all the players just kind of running amok um and, and uh, he would fix that he would bring a structure to the team uh if you want to see connor hellebuck be in vesna contention right away he's like the coach mm-hmm. that being said do you want to see Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor play at 60 point paces? Because that's what's going to happen with a Barry Trotz coach. And that's not about finishing or anything else. That's just what he does. Matt Barzell can finish and p- play it at a 60 point pace um, this year. That's what he does. Uh, that's what happens in his low event systems. Uh, I think the, the last benefit I'll mention is I think he's going to go to a team that is going to give him some personnel um, uh, decision-making power. And I'm not sure I mind Chevy getting a little bit of his decision-making authority on that side being taken away. Uh, all that being said, I don't, I don't think Trotz ends up to coach here. I think other teams end up paying more money and we get priced out. See, but I, I, I the only thing that I would say is like, obviously we're talking about, you know, Philly is really, really interested in him. I, I don't see Trotz looking at that team and going, I want to coach this team. I, I feel like there's a lot more weapons here that you can entice him with maybe. Um, but I the don't other know, thing, if you get double the millions of dollars, do you go? That's, that's fair. Money is I also is a pretty think, persuasive thing. I don't thing. think the money's going to be a big thing. Like what's the, I think the highest paid coach in the NHL is what, like 5 million or something. And Trotz is making four jets are <laughs> paying Paul Maurice, like three or something. I don't think, I don't think the money's going to be a, big problem the being honest the other thing i i figured i would mention with trots um there was reports coming out that he's also looking at potentially getting into management um and that he wasn't super necessarily into uh having a long like he he would be more than okay with taking a shorter term deal because he might want to get into management within the next few years and like Mm -hmm. personally guy guy who could you know bring 
uh, a lot of cult, uh, you know, I, I think the Jets obviously need a culture uh, reset. And he seems to be the guy that can bring in a new culture, kind of like, you know, it sounds dumb, but like when you look at, at the Leafs and how they were like, okay, we need to clean house. They brought in Lou Lamorello. They brought in, brought in, I don't like that. I'm saying this in a positive way, but Mike Babcock guys, guys that basically kind of made sure that there was an, a, a new vibe around the team, um, which I think the Jets are in desperate need of. And who knows, you know, Chevy's been at the GM job for what, uh, like 10, 11, 10, 11, years. 10, 11 years now. So, you know, maybe, Mark Chipman is Mark Chipman president of hockey ops. Whoever is president of hockey ops goes up a level. Maybe Chevy jumps up a level. And then eventually, you know, after Chevy's kind of taught, um, you know, trots the way a little bit, can maybe kind of everyone kind of moves up a little bit, you know? Uh, if not trots, who? Who do we think is going to be the coach or who? No, do we no. Want who to would you like coach? to see if not trots? <laughs> Brian, don't I, you can't lie to the audience. We all know that you have a list in your closet uh, yeah. of, of people you'd like to see. Um, it's not a long list. Like, I don't think they necessarily need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, I would be totally okay with a guy like Pascal Vincent. That's and like, I, I know, uh-huh. I know that's very like cliche. Um, he coached here before kind of thing. Um, I would be totally okay with that. Um, it's better than, to me, that's better than a guy who has been around the block and not gotten very much success, especially lately, like Elaine Vino, for example, or God forbid, Randy Carlisle, (laughs) (laughs) that would kill me someone. So maybe an assistant that's, um, you know, looking for a job. Um, like Dave Lowry? Yeah, like <laughs> Dave Lowry. Charlie Hardy? Charlie um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, someone who's had a bit of success. I know Pascal Vincent had success with the Moose when he was down here too. So mm-hmm. um, In game update, be... Carolina Hurricanes tie the game with two minutes oh, left. No. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. Rough. Um, this game has been incredible. If you can't see my yeah. facial reactions as we go along. <laughs> yeah. It's been good. Um, another, another thing I had in mind, and this would never happen. It's totally not a Jets thing, not a Jets hire, but uh, a name I thought was interesting. Um, Cam Abbott. He's 38 years old. He's coaching in the SHL Swedish hockey league. Um, he's had a good record uh, developing players. Um, Moritz Sider for example. Um, yeah, he played, I think his draft plus one year in Sweden under Abbott and, um, a couple more draftees this year, I think, including Marco Casper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that would be an interesting hire. He took his team from 12th, um, when he took over and there's 14 teams in that league and they won, the regular season title this year. I think they lost in the, in the championship this year uh, oh. in the SHL. I just, I just thought that'd be an interesting hire. If you're thinking outside the box, um, someone from Europe kind of thing. Yeah. I yeah. like that. How about you, Jackson? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I don't really have like a list really of guys that I would like to see just because I don't kn- like admittedly I don't know what's on about like some of the coaches that are out there like I think Pascal Vincent would be 
a fine fit here. And I think that would work good, but I know who I don't want. And it's uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody who um, has any ties with true North or played for the jets in the eighties that is getting hired only for that. I don't, I just don't think you need to do that. I mean, to be I fair, I know it, it was more nineties. I think I'd be fine if Timu Sulani was like, yeah, I'll coach the jets. Well, hey, I'd be fine it, for that. Just Timu. to see what that happens. If it's Timu, that'd be kind of cool. But I, if if Randy Carlyle or Scott O'Neill is the next coach, I'm I'm gonna be pretty upset, and I might be the first one down there with uh, protesting <laughs> that hire. <laughs> it's it's wild. There's so many coaches that are gonna be um, free agents this year, and there's not a lot of them that I look at and go, I for sure want you. Um, it's uh, like Jackson said, it's easier to point out the ones you don't want, and uh, again, on top of that list is Randy Carlyle. Um, and then, yeah, I would say, you know, those two guys from that first report, uh, along with Alan Vigneault, which would be, uh, oh, and, and yeah. Scott, so, Scott O'Neill, but yeah, the ones, the one guy who I, I actually want to ask your guys' thoughts on, um, because, you know, if it's not trots, uh, I think Pascal Vincent would be great, but recently Pete DeBoer just got fired. Okay. I, I don't know where you guys stand on him. I personally look at what he's done and I go, he's, you know, he's taken over some teams that were pretty good, but has, has gotten them to be pretty decent. Um, I don't know enough about coaching. I can fully admit that right now. Um, but, uh, he's a guy who I look at and I go, maybe like of all the guys who are getting kind of recycled, he's the guy I point to and go, yeah, you know, maybe I can see him, uh, doing decent, but like, other than that, it's pretty tough. Yeah, maybe like I, wouldn't be upset at that higher uh, so. of all the retreads. He's probably the one that I, I can, is more acceptable. Like he's definitely better than Babcock. I don't want to launder Joel Quinville's reputation with our next hire. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Claude Julian just because it's, it's basically, it's not that dissimilar to trots in terms of uh, structure and style. Uh, so I'd be fine. But Pete DeBoer has an expiration date. You get like two, three seasons with Pete DeBoer and then you're done. And I got to say, he has a lot of um, answers to give about what the heck happened with Robin Lehner at the end of the season. That was beyond weird what was going on uh, in the Vegas organization. There was a lot of strange comments. And uh, if he's like just straight up a dick to goalies, I'm not putting Connor Hellebuck in that situation. Um, yeah. Uh, the I think the I think the Pascal Vincent choice is probably where we end up, uh, and it's not I... a bad hire. But mm -hmm. uh, I actually I agree with Brian. I would go off the board. I was thinking Yuka Yelonen from Finland, the Finland head coach. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I think that would be an inspired coach. Has a lot of structure to his game. Um, obviously, with like Vili and um, uh, here, that could be uh, interesting. Uh, and there, there's been a lot of, obviously, with Patrick and, and whatnot, a lot of Finnish connections with this team. Uh, I also kind of want to see what, you know, one of the top European coaches does in the NHL. Never been given a shot. So uh, yeah. I, I think it would be a more interesting experiment. I also liked uh, the Admirals coach, uh, Mark Taylor. Um, I thought he did a, a pretty incredible job with the, the Nashville farm team. And he might yeah. be an interesting look. Jackson, yeah, like how about you? Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I like the off the board thing too. It's just definitely not a true North type thing. 
Yeah, I'd be really surprised, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> if, but the main the main thing I, I think that's important when you are doing a coaching search is you, sh- you really got to take the time to use this as like a free uh, consulting kind of yeah. thing where you just go, uh, regardless, if you know Barry Trotz would like to come here and you want to sign him and that's your guy, uh, don't just sign him immediately and, you know, and end your search there. You got to go around and, and you know, it's a free opportunity to go and talk to a bunch of coaches and go, what would you do to fix this team and hear a bunch of different opinions? I think that that's a really important thing. And, and, you know, if the Jets don't take that opportunity, I think it's just an opportunity missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I, I don't, it's, it's too early to tell where they end up, but I do like, as of now, I do think they end up falling on either DeBoer or uh, Pascal Vincent. I, I think those are the two that I can see trots. being most likely. It's gonna be trots. I don't think I'm telling you it's gonna be trots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't think trots does it. I think he's gonna go somewhere. Like I, I know Elliot Friedman um um talked about in his podcast that Nashville could be interested in him coming into um be in management but, right away. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. But I thought Nashville was keeping it their coach and stuff. The, so they, they are, yeah, there's a lot of oh with David uh, Poyle maybe retiring. That makes yeah. sense too. So I don't know. We'll have to see, but I, I, I get the sense that he doesn't really want to be a coach for that long. He kind yeah. of wants to go into management. And I think that's kind of the route that he's going to go. So, so wait, one last thing on Pete DeBoer. Does it disqualify him that he's close friends with Paul Maurice? I feel like oh. that should disqualify him. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> well, well, if anything, I think it makes him more likely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chipman's buddies with Maurice too, right? They're all buddies. Uh, yep. All right, moving moving on from the coaching, uh, I think we have to talk about Mark Shifley again. Um, uh, both because I don't think we've talked, uh, we've done a roundtable since the uh, off-season pressers, uh, and Shifley gave a, a strange one um, where he all but said he wanted out of town. Uh, and then Darren Drager uh, said uh, he must have been talking to Mark Shifley's dad um indicated <laughs> yes that's a deep mitch marner dad's cut yeah uh, Drager, uh said uh mark shifley uh he doesn't see shifley coming back to uh to winnipeg so i i, I just gonna throw out mark shifley question mark what do you guys think he's gone I, I i don't see a world where he can be back at this point i don't know like there's just so many people saying like so many like credible people saying that that he is an issue with the locker room and like we'll talk about that after but he's i mean if you want a culture change you probably have to get rid of one of the two guys that's names keep being brought up and that's wheeler and shifley Mm -hmm. and i think the value that you can get back for shifley is way too much to uh to not take a look at at least for me it's always been about are you contending in the next two years if not trade him because he's not going to be worth his next contract and whoever you get for him might be worth their next contract and might help you when you're actually ready to contend, which won't be in the next two years. But yeah, if he's also a locker room problem, it makes it easy decision for me in that scenario. And that's where the dominoes start falling. You know, you hear Connor Hellebuck doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. So at that point, you trade him um what about Pierre-Luc Dubois so 
Pierre-Luc Dubois only wanted to re-sign. I heard it as he wanted to re-sign based on whether or not Shifley would want to re-sign, but I couldn't tell in which way. Like, was it? (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Was it, was it, he didn't, he only wanted to sign if Shifley was gone or if he only wanted to sign if Shifley was kept and the Jets were trying to contend. So (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Either way, I could see, I could see the Jets going the rebuild route if that's the way things go down. If Shifley's traded and then Hellebuck's all of a sudden like, okay, well, I want out too, then that's kind of where you're headed, right? Mm-hmm. The way I see it is it's it's a it's it's a bigger picture thing than Shifley because again it it, it depends everything is so intertwined whether whether it has to be you know coaching um, the the team where the team's at where they're going to be in the next few years. Um, I personally I, I'm unfortunately uh, for some reason more optimistic on this team for some stupid reason, um, and I, I you know I, I personally think that they won't trade Shifley just because I, I just don't think that they're going to do it, at least not until the trade deadline, if, if anything. Um, but I'm also like, okay, we've seen Shifley under the same coach for so long and maybe who knows, it might be just ingrained in him and it doesn't, it doesn't matter who the coach is anymore. But I, I would be at least curious to see what he looks like under a different coach, under a different set of eyes who maybe might hold him a little more accountable, might, um, you know, give him some new tools to, uh, to work on. And, you know, it's, it's more, it's more dependent on where the team is going. If you're, if you're deciding that this, you know, you want to start tanking for for Bedard which I I don't think is a bad idea because yeah I I mean we all watched the same team this year they weren't good um and they likely won't be better much better but I don't know I I there's there's just this weird thing in inside my brain that just goes you know Daryl Sutter Calgary Flames look at them but also the Calgary Flames are a completely different team and have a a a better team than we do obviously yeah and Calgary even last year had good underlying numbers that indicated yeah. they could make a leap forward but but that was only once Sutter came in though I believe right that's true but so so mm-hmm. it's 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 one of those things where I go okay you know this the, I can I can look at this past season and go it was a weird season it was strange I also as while well, I say this I hate I hate giving excuses to them I really hate giving them excuses that they can use but this was a, it was a weird season having your coach walk out on you and then having uh, your interim coach uh, or sorry, your assistant coach step up. Who's also one of the player's dads. Um, It's like, that's just, you, you can't not say that that's not a weird season. Um, (laughs) So I don't know. I, you know, with Shifley, I go, he's a guy where I, you know, I don't think that you have to trade him right now. If you trade him, uh, as long as you trade him before the deadline, if you decide that that's the route you want to go, um, you can still get a, a high return on him because he still has, you know, another year under his belt at a, at a great, uh, at a great number. Okay. So, yeah. but I, I, I agree with the whole, um, seeing Shifley under a new coach thing, but my counterpoint is, does it matter? Are they going to be good enough to be contenders anyway? No. I don't I, think so. So at that uh, point, I look that, at it, uh-huh. I look at it this way. Uh, if I was in control, I would trade Shifley. He's been too much of a bitch for the last like year and a half. <laughs> He has been like, all right. Ever since that hit on Evans, oh, like that was yeah. totally unacceptable how he handled that, and and it's been clear that he has been disinterested. 
in playing in in half the ice. Uh, fine, no problem, right? If you're going to do that, you have to do it in a certain way and own it. Uh, and then his off-season comments, he never takes responsibility for anything. Mm -hmm. So if I was in charge, he'd be gone because it's not the kind of player that I think you can really win with uh, unless things align in a certain way. And that window's gone. That yeah. being said, I think if they hire Barry Trotz, you go to Mark Shifley and be like, you're devalued as an asset. Uh, why don't you stay for a year under trots? We'll trade you after that. Let's build up your value. You're going to stop being a little whiny baby and you're going to say all the right things to the media. <laughs> uh, and we're going to demonstrate that you can play in a defensive structure and then we'll trade you uh, because otherwise you are knocking millions of dollars off your not next contract. I still think his trade value is going to be worth more for two seasons of him than one season of him, or even a season and a playoff run. Uh, yeah, I, that's why I would trade him. But I think yeah. if they sign okay. Trotz, he's staying. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess I can see the logic there because Trotz isn't going to want to coach, you know, a team that's not trying to contend, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have to talk. We've been already talking about it. We have to talk about the room is bad. There was a clip um, that circulated on social media uh, where um, some coaches indicated they, they heard from Kevin Hayes and others that Winnipeg had the worst locker room in the league. Um, this isn't the first time we've heard this rumor going back to when Bufflin left. Uh, we've heard this pretty consistently. Um, I just want to hear your reactions to the to the room is bad, uh, and and what you would do about it, or does it even matter? I'm not surprised because, you know, we've heard rumors all along, but to hear it from uh, James Patrick, that's Winnipeg guy, right? So. I would, I would say that's a fairly credible source, especially for a guy who's probably going to be looking for NHL coaching jobs in, in the future. Not in um, Winnipeg, apparently. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm not surprised, but does it matter? Of course it matters. That's, that affects the whole team, right? So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't really know how to comment on it more than that because I don't, have any insight onto exactly where the locker room strife is coming from besides, I, you know, the, the rumored Shifley and Wheeler stuff, but yeah. And if I remember correctly, it was like, they said that there was two, two sides of the dressing room. There was the Wheeler side and the Shifley side, which is strange. Because Wait, when, when, is that what I, or was it saying that the, they were together and it was together, them. Yeah. to me, I heard it as it was two guys controlling the locker room and whatever they say Got goes. It. And yeah, that that That's makes more sense. Sorry, my bad. But um, you know, it, it's uh, again what Brian said. Like you know, it's not surprising. Uh, I agree. It's 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 certainly not surprising. We've heard stuff about this uh, for forever. But I wonder if you know the kind of start of this um, toxicity and you know the the room kind of be get, starting to get bad goes back to remember in 2019 when when Wheeler at the end of the after they got eliminated by the Blues Wheeler was saying that he just took everything too seriously he was too hard on everyone and you know 
I, I see that as kind of our first, um, you know, our first like look into, you know, things aren't as good as possible as they could have been. And then of course you see Bufflin leave. Then you see uh, uh, line a requests a trade and then him saying that like, well, even, even Wheeler admitted, he's like, I should have been better in, in treating and how I treated line a uh, while he was here. And that he, he took a lot of risk. He said he even took responsibility for um, that relationship, not really being formed. Um, so yeah, like, uh, you know, that's one of the things that's incredibly concerning. It, it certainly does matter. You, you, you can't have a, a captain of your hockey team, uh, and him be a guy who, you know, young players are scared to come and talk to and, you know, ask, uh, you know, for their guidance and, and help. And even just in, in personal life, they, like it, it, it goes further than the ice. You need to have people around you that you can, you know, lean on and support and being an NHL player is not, uh, something that every single person in the world can relate to. And you, you got to have your teammates that you can, co- you know, you go to war with these guys. You got to be able to turn to them even in personal sense and be like, you know, lean on them. And if you, if you don't have that support from your captain, let alone uh, your captain is making the entire dressing room feel like, uh, you know, obey my orders or else it's, you know, not going to be good for you. You're not going to get your ice time. Then, it, it, it's it's not surprising to see how the Jets have kind of fallen apart since the 2018 season. Yeah, I I fall under the the same roof with that. Like it's we've been hearing it for a while now, so it's not surprising. But it's just surprising to me how it all came out at once, a little bit. So it's like obviously hit hit a boiling point. But you hear like like what Paul Stastny had to say. You hear what. Um, like yesterday, what uh, Billy had to say about like just mm-hmm. feeling more like being able to be himself, and that kind of seems like it's a bit of a bit of a pattern. Guys don't feel like they can be themselves in the locker room. So again, like to piggy off to piggyback off of uh, what you said, Brady, with um, just not being able to like come to a player and like ask him for guidance or advice or anything for whatever situation it's uh it's that's not great captain quality um and even going back i mean wheeler it was in december or january uh they asked him about the play and i can't remember uh the exact quote but they had just asked about the game and what was wrong um like why they were struggling and he blamed a lot of the younger guys for it mm-hmm. and yeah. it was like took no responsibility and it's not like blake wheeler's like the best player on the ice anymore so i i don't know it's just kind of the same thing as shifley not really taking accountability i also sorry i i also just want to mention also remember near the end of the season where uh there were people on twitter counting how many times people did their like post game uh press conferences and Uh it was like wheeler and shifley would only come out after wins Mm -hmm. and like it's just it's just weird it's just i don't know like it, it's it's even weird to talk about now like it just feels the the aura has seeped into the fan base where it's like it, you know wheeler was this guy who when he was named captain we were all like awesome great great guy love him he's a you know he's he's socially aware he's not like uh the the majority of hockey players in the sense of being you know just kind of uh, a bit of a meathead uh and then it's weird seeing this kind of progression he's had where he's kind of turned into almost this villain uh for us in winnipeg like he he's not the captain we thought he was gonna be i guess um and yeah and then even just accountability with you know uh line mates and um 
and, and ice time and everything like that. Like Wheeler should be able to look and go, you know, I'm getting older here. I'm also fighting off an injury. Uh, maybe you should play me a little less. Like obviously a co- it's up to a coach to do that, but a player, if you're the captain, you can go coach, put this other guy up and play me a few less minutes because I'm, you know, I'm battling a broken rib or whatever he had earlier in the season. Like it, it's just weird. It's, it's all, it's all very strange. Obviously uh, a new coaching coming in would, would help, uh, alter the room but it, it seems like it's completely hit a boiling point at this point you can bet your ass that Nikolai Ehlers is not happy that he's playing <laughs> 17 minutes a night and Blake Wheeler's playing 20 because Blake Wheeler shouldn't be playing 17 minutes a night let alone 20 and Nikolai Ehlers should be getting the most minutes out of any forward that's just the way it needs to be he's your yeah, best he- player <laughs> Ehlers is one of the best players in Canada. Um, he's best winger. He is. He's the best winger. He's probably the fourth best player in Canada right now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe third, uh, but probably fourth. I should put some respect on the title. Um, <laughs> uh, McDavid, uh, but, Matthews, Gaudreau. <laughs> uh, Gaudreau and Ehlers are kind of some in a similar spot, I would say. But anyways, the. Uh, the long and short of it is is like things are really bad and I know losing brings that out but I'm surprised uh, just like Jackson said about how quickly and how ugly it's come out it shows just a complete lack of organizational control um, uh, in in what's going on Uh, one last topic before we uh, close it up Uh, I'm curious what you would do if you're PLD hearing all of this because uh, you don't have a contract. You're an RFA. Carolina wins 2-1 in overtime. Um, oh. <sighs> oh, they deserved it. Rangers were getting caved in uh, oh. most of that game. We need the uh, Rangers to win. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, we should fix the locker room first. Um, <laughs> so what do you do if you're PLD? You're an RFA. There's some teams that need centers. Uh, uh, wh- I- I'm curious what you do given this landscape of stuff uh, you can obviously get probably the best deal out of Winnipeg. Um, but it's not the only deal that you'll potentially be offered. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on what um, if I'm PLD, what I'm looking for, whether that be long-term stability or if that's um, you know, playing on the best team possible, being given the best opportunity possible Um in general, I, I think it's a it's an equation of following following the money and also the opportunity and and kind of maxing out uh, what you can get. If um, you know if the Jets determine Shifley isn't the guy and they're going to go with a younger crew here, uh, and then maybe I go okay, lock me up. Uh, you know, long term, I'll be your one C, and um, maybe we'll go through trying to do a, a quick retool, rebuild kind of thing. But um, you know, it, it would be pretty tough for for me to say no uh, if if a team like Boston or if a team like oh I don't even know who else needs a center at this point if a team that needs a center and is in a better position than the Jets, which is uh, likely, um, comes knocking, you know, I I, I definitely listen. It's gonna I need. Mean, uh, sorry, I was just gonna say you need a pretty strong offer for me to trade him unless he actually really really wants a trade i, yeah. I think yeah. the question is if you're pld do you sign an offer sheet 
Well, if I, depends, do I want to stay in Winnipeg or do I, am I indifferent to staying in Winnipeg versus another place? If so, then you probably, maybe I do sign an offer sheet because if he signs an offer sheet, the chances are pretty good. He's staying in Winnipeg because Winnipeg can match it. Right. So Mm -hmm. if I really want out, I'm not signing the offer sheet. I'm asking for a trade. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they lose them on an offer sheet because I again, I think uh, like what you said. I think uh, the Jets match it, but I, I don't know if if I'm PLD, I'm I'm obviously going to listen to the to the offers on the the offer sheet and let's say like um, Bergeron retires and the Bruins offer him an offer sheet if he likes if he likes uh, like the opportunity more and if it's a better fit maybe then fine go for it but i i do think the jets match okay sorry i i now have a, a a separate question to that if if you're the jets and someone offer sheets him let's just say in general eight million dollars i think that and it's a long-term deal i think that's pretty fair um mm. and your and your compensation would be a first a second and a third what do you do easy uh match that's that's not yeah. even a question okay i think so but I think it depends on who you get as a coach. Eight is get... two first, a second, and a third, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Uh, if it's if it's uh... if it's eight, uh, if it's like eight three and up, it's two first, a second, and a third. If it's only a first, second, and third, oh, even if it's two first, a second, and third, I'm matching it. First, a second, mm-hmm. and third is not a whole heck of a lot in the grand scheme of things. But even... if you're trying to rebuild, yeah, like if you get Pascal Vincent as your if coach. I'm... If I'm trying you're to like, rebuild, I'm shipping out Shifley and I'm going to get a crap load of stuff. If you like Jake agree to a rebuild, maybe I still think you match because if I, I think if I'm rebuilding, I still, if I'm rebuilding, I still keep him because he's only 23. Like you yeah. said, mm-hmm. he'll be, he'll be relevant by the time the rebuild's done. Do you think you could get more than two firsts, a second and a third for him in Easy. a trade? Easy. I think you could for sure. More, more value in a trade for sure. Net, right now, when you have team control, I think you can. I, pe- um, I think people overvalue first round picks, especially like late ones. Yeah. Like that's like maybe a 50 50 shot at an NHL or past like pick 20. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So then, if it's a trade with Arizona where it's almost top three guaranteed, then <laughs> that's different, right? Okay. That's way different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think it's actually a tougher choice for PLD than we think. Because I, I think you look around at Winnipeg, you're like, I have a good goalie. I have mm-hmm. I have a, a couple good wingers, but I have a lot of stuff that's really broken here. Um, and do I want to waste my prime years here when I don't have, um, you know, the, the sheer density of Home Depots that you can be offered <laughs> in other cities? <laughs> I, I also think another thing to... to like take into account is also like in the there's a classic saying that Greg Wyshynski has where it's like players don't like moving their things uh and also his parents live here so that's a nice little plus I personally I don't see I don't see him like demanding a trade or or signing an offer sheet unless it's just purely to in order to get the deal that he wants here um but I I definitely think that it, you know it's worth exploring the idea of it I think he'll I, sign somewhere in the ballpark of six to eight years at eight mil a year. I think that's yeah, what'll happen. 
which feels like fair because you're buying out his prime years. You're buying 23 to 20, you know, 23 to 31, 30. Um, and you totally should pay um, $8 million. Oh my God, it's three minutes in and Calgary is beating the heads off of Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good. As, as it should be. M- Mike Smith has uh, entered the chat, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after having a really good first round, actually. Um, yeah. Whew. Uh, anyways, uh, any closing thoughts as you as you wrap up? How, uh, I, I almost kind of want the drama to die down. It feels a little much. Uh, and it feels like not very Winnipeg-like to have this much drama. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, I have I have no closing thoughts. Go ahead, Jackson. You you first. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think we gotta wait to find out maybe who the coach is or see what we do with Shifley first, whichever comes first, and then I think we'll get more of an idea of where the direction's kind of going. But right now, it's a little little too too many too many possibilities right now. I think uh, once we get a head coach, I think we'll have more of a direction. Hopefully, I have closing thoughts. Whichever direction you decide, whether it's rebuild or go for it. Don't half-ass it. Go yeah. all the way. Don't that, do what you did last summer and get a couple <laughs> of decent guys or at the and trade call deadline. it a retool. Don't mm-hmm. call it a, we went from bad to now we're a contender again. Yeah. I don't know what people thought the result of that was going to be. We, <laughs> they were, got- we were still a terrible team in shot metrics and we became an semi-okay team in shot metrics with two decent with two decent ads one of them turned out to be like okay and the other one turned out to be crap last year and yeah yeah, i honestly don't do that i honestly thought we'd be a little bit better defensively than we ended up being especially in terms of high danger chances against um we were just as terrible pretty much as the year before which makes no sense I, I think that came came down to people going, okay, what's the problem with the Jets? Oh, the bunch of their D-men left. Uh, they just need defense. They just need a couple guys. And then the reality was what we were all yelling about was like, hey, we need a, a full-on systems change because this is not working. Yeah. Um, but I also was optimistic too. I, I, I won't lie. I mean, I was... Connor, if Connor Hellebuck was able to do it before, uh, I was hoping he'd be able to do it with two more uh, NHL D-men in front of him, but it is what it is. I was optimistic enough too. I just, you know, I, I didn't, th- I thought they'd be a playoff team, but not a contender. And they weren't even a playoff I, team. I thought they would be a fringe playoff team and Nashville and Dallas caught me by surprise. Yeah. Um, uh, and then also Vegas, but the wrong way. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, by the way, there's going to be a puck shaped hole in Mike Smith's chest. He's getting shot at so much right now. Um <laughs> Uh, this is uh, brutal to watch. This is like Colorado is playing against Edmonton. Um, I, I think I would like to see one thing going into uh, into next season. I think it's time they strip the captaincy from Blake Wheeler. Uh, I think this there's too much noise about how bad things are, uh, and he's had more than enough chances um, to right the ship um, as the captain. And maybe it's not all on him, but sometimes change happens because you lose. Um, and I think that's a change that has to happen. Sure, you know that will never happen. So why are you suggesting it? <laughs> I think it could happen. Uh, so I, could. I, I very two much years do ago believe that they would. Two ever years do that. ago, when you saw a young John Tavares in his sheets, and you're like, "Oh, that guy's going to be captain <laughs> of the Toronto Maple Leafs," you'd be like, "It's three zero, um, uh, Calgary. They're just pouring it on." Um, you were like, 
John Tavares is going to be captain for life. Look at where we are now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the fan base is coming for him. You can imagine that Austin Matthews is going to be captain pretty soon, uh, if not next year. I, I think things change. Uh, and yes, I do not believe in my heart that that is remotely a possibility. I think it's time. And I generally I don't think much remotely a possibility. I I agree that it's time, mm-hmm. but we uh, that is not a possibility in true north in the true north world. It's not a possibility. There's no chance if they didn't fire Paul Maurice after what was it eight <laughs> seasons. There's not a goddamn chance without Wheeler leaving the team that he is being stripped of the captaincy. I. I I, I think he should be. I oh, definitely agree. Okay, with you, fine, but fine. We'll do it the true no, north way. He will no resign way. from the captain. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be taking a step back. <laughs> who's your uh, Who's your next choice for captain? If uh, if if they strip it from Blake Wheeler, give me the best player. Ehlers. Fair enough. I don't see them. I don't see that. I I, I see if if. If Wheeler gets stripped, it's it's it'll be Morrissey. I guarantee yeah. it'll be Morrissey. It's there's think, no chance it wouldn't be. I think Morrissey would be a good pick. I also wouldn't be shocked at Dubois. Yeah, yeah. I give him the C if he stays. <laughs> I, I I like Morrissey though as as that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a weirdo. Uh, I always want to see a goalie captain because it yes. never happens. <laughs> yes. I, hey, you, you don't say that it never happens. You got to remember uh, uh, Roberto, Roberto Longo in 2010. Mm-hmm. I, I will never forget that. My favorite player of all time. Love you, King. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Strombo, we love you. Uh, keep doing what you do on the Twitters. Uh, I think that wraps it up for our round table. Uh, watch the playoffs. They're incredible. Um, uh, except if you're an Edmonton fan right now, this is ugly. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we'll probably have more uh, episodes coming up for you uh, as the Jets finalize their next head coach. Uh, probably going into the draft when some potential, if there's a Shifley deal to happen, the draft might be a time uh, that we want to keep our eye on. Uh, and we'll be back with uh, uh, more episodes soon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kirk Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs>